at staff meeting a few weeks ago, uh, one of the guys said, like, I think it was Doug, said, what, what's my favorite movie? Uh, and probably some of you know that because I've made reference to it on a number of occasions. But uh, Braveheart has to be probably uh, one of the top three movies along with, I think, uh, maybe Gladiator and uh, uh, Last of the Mohegans, right? Uh, but, 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 but anyway, in the climactic scene of Braveheart, uh, if you've seen the movie, you know that William Wallace uh, is, uh, is being tortured before his final execution. It's a very public execution. Uh, there are people that are jeering and applauding uh, his uh, demise because uh, he's an enemy of, of England. He's a Scotchman who waged war against England for the freedom of Scotland. And uh, as a result of that, he was captured, and now he's being tortured. His, his body was, was pulled apart, arms and legs stretched out on this kind of pole wedgie device or whatever it was. And uh, now he's being stretched out on a bench type of a cross. And uh, the executioner uh, shows him, uh, uncovers a, uh, uh, a table filled with with various weapons that are going to disembowel him. Uh, but if he only begs for mercy, if, if he only whispers mercy, uh, the pain will stop and, and his death will be swift. And so William Wallace in, in the film remains silent and he remains strong. And so they begin the process of disemboweling him. And, and the jeering crowd now becomes sympathetic because they can't believe their eyes. And, and he's, he's gasping for, for breath and, and he's coughing and choking. And, and it looks like he's going to say something. And the executioner encourages him, says, come on, just, just plead for mercy. Just beg for mercy and it will all be over. And with every ounce of strength that's left within him, he lifts up a shout and a cry that is heard in the very palace of the king itself. And that was that one word, freedom. Because freedom is that important. In this series, we, we've titled it The Price of Freedom. I love I loved that title, The Price of Freedom. I want you to think about that with me. Uh, if you're a history buff like I was back in school, you know that Patrick Henry... His speech inspired the revolution. He said, give me liberty or what? Give me death. So freedom is just that important. I can't help but draw a parallel between that scene that I described in the movie and not a, a, a cross-like bench, but an actual cross upon which the Son of God gave himself for us for this purpose that we might be set free. Jesus gave his life. Listen, uh, Wallace died for an ideal. Uh, Patrick Henry was willing to die for a cause, but Jesus died and rose again for more than a cause and more than an ideal. He died so that we might be, and he was raised again to life so that we might be eternally free. And that is a big deal. Paul emphatically says in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. In his own words, Jesus said, whom the Son shall make free is free indeed. In other words, truly 
free. In fact, even people who are unfamiliar with what the Bible has to say can probably quote this verse that Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It was for freedom that Christ came. In his commencement of his ministry, when Jesus quoted from the book of Isaiah, one of the, one of the missions of his life is described by what Isaiah said was to open prison doors to set free captives. And that's what Jesus is all about. And in this series, over the next several weeks, we're going to explore some of the, the freedoms that we have because of Christ. And it's all tied back to, it's all can, all can be traced back to the sacrifice at the cross and what Jesus paid for. As Peter says, we, we, we were not bought, we were not redeemed, we were not ransomed or rescued with common things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot or without blemish. I was talking to a, a young man a few weeks ago who had spent some time in county jail. And uh, to me, it seemed like a short time. Maybe for him it was a few weeks, but, 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 but for him it was not a short period of time. If, if, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, probably, probably uh, because he's in danger of going back to jail if he, if he violates his uh, parole agreement. Uh, he would be in danger of going, and that scares the heck out of him. And one of the things that we kind of agreed upon was the fact that freedom is one of those things that is easily taken for granted until, until your freedom is taken away, and then suddenly the light goes on and you realize just how valuable, just how important the issue of freedom is. Listen, living in a six by, by 10 cell, uh, Siri would say it's not cool, you know? Uh, you and I would say that's not good. Having somebody else determine when you're gonna sleep, when you're gonna eat, when you're gonna shower, the when, where, and the what, and the how of all that, somebody else making that determination, not good. Freedom truly becomes precious. It's something that becomes longed for, desired, and even, even more than life itself because people are willing, willing to expend their life for the sake of freedom. Uh, in another movie scene, the, the Matrix, I don't know if you've seen that, except for a handful of freedom fighters, you know, humanity was oblivious to the fact that they were, that they were slaves to the Matrix, that they were living in a, a virtual reality, but as slaves to this, to this system that had, had deceived them and, and used uh, illusion and deception to, to totally uh, imprison them in their world. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons why a movie like that and so many other themes like that have, have, have reached, you know, like uh, movie success or financial success is because because it reflects a spiritual reality that we kind of, it resonates with us. You see, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, New Two Testament writers uh, described and pulled back the veil of uh, the prince of the power of, of darkness and exposed that, that he has blinded the minds of those that believe not, that the whole world is lying in the embrace or rocked in the cradle of deception and delusion. But into this very matrix, Jesus Christ himself has come that we might be set free. 
So this morning, I want to talk to you about being set free, being free from fear, okay? So one of the first benefits that, that we as followers of Christ are to enjoy, uh, let, me, let me share this, this great statement with you. And uh, let me just see if I could just pull that up. Okay, just hold on a sec. Here it is. It says, freedom is the legacy, the birthright, and the inheritance of every Christ follower because freedom is that important. It is our legacy. It's our inheritance. It is something that Jesus Christ purchased for us. So I want to talk to you about this whole idea of being free from fear, being free from oppression. Somebody said that Satan was having a fire sale and he was advertising on the web and he was selling his, his old weapons that were old and outdated and he was, he was looking to, for an upgrade and, and trying to just retool his, his weapons against the new generation of believers. And so, and so he had all of his old tricks and schemes up for sale, but there was one section that was just, it was, it was labeled not for sale at any price. And you guessed it, it was fear. Because fear is, is, has been one of those successful weapons that have been, have been used against so many who've been uh, made to stumble and fall. Fear is an emotional experience. And the kind of fear that I'm talking about is tormenting. It was the first emotional experience that, that was the result of the fall, the result of their disobedience. And the Bible says that they ran and they hid from the presence of the Lord because they were afraid. And, and fear has torment. Now, I, I'm not talking this morning about, about the kind of fear that is good. There is a slavish fear that's a sinful fear. That, that's really what I want to look at. But, but there is obviously a good kind of fear, the good kind of fear where, where, where if you come too close to the edge of a building, you know, it, it, it'll kind of warn you to back off. Or if you're driving too fast in the rain, kind of giving you that, that sense of preservation to slow down. And I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There are, there are so many benefits that come to us when we revere the Lord, when we have this reverential, healthy respect for Almighty God. One, one verse says that the angel of the Lord encircles or encamps around about those who fear or revere the Lord. But... Uh, I'm talking about this slavish kind of fear that torments us. And God certainly doesn't want us to be tormented. He wants us to be free from uh, this oppression. In fact, Apostle Peter said that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And one of the oppressions that the enemy uses, obviously one of these weapons, is the weapon of fear. Uh, if you do a Google search on fear and phobia, you, you probably come up with uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, different kinds of phobias and different kinds of fears. And uh, one or, or two or, or several that we're probably more familiar with, one is claustrophobia. Claustrophobia is the fear of tight spaces, you know. Uh, some, some years ago when my daughter Kelly was a little girl, she, she got an injury that required stitches, and so we took it to the to the ER, and, and they actually put her in uh, a restraining device so that the plastic surgeon could, could stitch her up. And as a result of that 
trauma. Kelly has never forgotten that. If, if you ever, and this is just for your warning now, if, if you ever try to restrain Kelly's arms, she will knock you out. You know, listen, there's a reason why, uh, even though our beautiful girly daughter, Kelly, uh, there's a reason why mom and dad called her Broadzilla for a reason, you know? Uh, ironically, Andrew started to uh, mention that uh, they were four hours into their vacation and Landon in their vacation house was jumping from bed to bed and smashed his leg, actually caused a gash from the metal frame of the, of the, of the bed uh, in his uh, leg and they were that night right back in the ER. And, and, and so weird, but uh, he needed nine stitches to, 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 ten stitches to fix him up. So, so uh, the doctor says, we'd like to put him in a restraint. And Kelly said, ain't going to happen. She says, I'll hold him. And he said, I, I, I may be paraphrasing this, but he said something like, Mama, if you sing to me, I'll be all right. So she held him. He held her. And she sang, uh, he never lets go. Through the calm and through the storm, he never lets go. Uh, I just thought that that was really ironic. But uh, there's another kind of phobia called arachnophobia. Uh, it's the fear of spiders. The other night I was out on my porch and I ran into a web, walked into a web, and there was a spider, and I'm not exaggerating, about the size of my index finger. Would have scared the willy out of anybody, you know? Uh, but I just gave it a whack, you know? When my, when my kids were teenagers, when Kelly and, and my son Will were, were teenagers, and, and Will found the spider in the house, he'd call, he'd call Kelly. Kelly, come and kill the spider. And Kelly, who was fearless of spiders and snakes, you know, Will, not so much, you know. But like I said, we called the Broadzilla for a reason. Then there's agoraphobia, uh, people who are afraid of crowds. And obviously... Those are some of the empty chairs that are here this morning. <laughs> then there's a whole lot of then there's a whole lot of lesser, you know, lesser uh, uh, phobias and fears, uh, some of which I can't even pronounce. But I don't know if you know this, but th- th- there's a fear of baldness, a fear of bald men, and 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 just we won't tell Doug about that. He feels bad enough as it is, so. So that's just between us, all right? So, so, so don't mention that to them. But ironically, there's also the fear of hairy men. You know? And listen, some people are traumatized when they look in the mirror and they find that first gray hair, you know? And I, maybe that's another kind of fear of a different kind. And then this, this other fear I came across was uh, odent. Odent, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, right? It's the fear of teeth. The fear of teeth. Come on, give me a break. Everybody's got teeth. What do you do? Go, no, don't show me your teeth, you know? I mean, that's crazy. But I, I, I would suspect that, that, you know, the majority of us here this morning are not, are not plagued with any of these weird kind of, you know, issues of, of anxiety and stress over teeth or, or over spiders, but probably deal with some of the more rational kind of issues like, like health issues, either for ourselves or, or for the people that we love. Uh, maybe the fear of the future, the fear of, of lack, the fear of, 
of, of what might be, you know, some, some of those issues that come up, the economic situations that sometimes, you know, bring stress and anxiety into our lives. The Apostle Paul, who uh, was a spiritual father to a young man, a missionary by the name of Timothy, wanted, to, wanted Timothy to get some relief from the anxiety and the stress that he was experiencing. And he wrote this for him, but he also wrote this for us. Listen, listen to what he says, 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, for God did not give us. I'm so glad he did not simply say, God did not give you, but God did not give us a spirit of fear that is of timidity, but of one of power, love, and of a sound mind, of a disciplined mind. See, because when it comes to the issues of, of fear, the, the battlefield is the mind, the imagination, the, the, the thought life. A few years ago, some of you, you know the story, uh, I had a CT scan. That CT scan showed that I had a quarter size uh, something or other uh, on one of my lungs. And the radiologist uh, at uh, Anthony's practice suggested that I have it checked out by a pulmonary specialist. And so I went to, to see a pulmonary specialist and he looked at the x-ray that I had from years before. He looked at the CT scans and examined me and, you know, uh, he, he said this. He said, you know what? If it was me, I would have it taken out. Uh, when, they, when they take out uh, a suspicious something or other that, that was hard to, impossible to really biopsy. They just have to take it out. They take out half a lung with it and about six months worth of, of recovery time involved with that. And this, the guy said, if it was me, I'd I just go ahead and have it taken out. I said, but you're, I'm not you. Uh, I says, can I get a second opinion, please? You know? And I got a second opinion. I went to uh, uh, Stony Brook where there's a, 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 they built this brand new building. It's the cancer center. And they met with a really good surgeon. And he said, you know what? He says, taking it out now is, is an option for you. Or, he says, we could wait and do another CT scan in six months and then do another CT scan in six months after that and, and do that a couple of times. And, and if it hasn't changed, if it hasn't grown, if it hasn't gotten any bigger, then, 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 then that's cool. I said, that's cool. You know, thank you, Doc. Let's, let's just wait. And then we pray. And we trust God. I don't know if you've ever read that verse in Psalm 91 where the Bible says, Moses says that there is a terror that stalks by night. And what I found out is that there is a certain kind of terror that only comes in the cover of darkness. It comes at night. When you either can't sleep or you, or you wake up from a sleep and the first thing that's on your mind is the thing that's on your mind. And, and, and your mind begins to wander and you begin to imagine and I remember that there were times I began to imagine my breathing was a little, a little bit labored. And I began to imagine that I think I could actually hear something coming from my chest. And I, I remember saying to myself, self, you got, you've, got, you've got to resist this because this is, this is not of God. And... Uh, you got to think about things that are good and things that are lovely and things that have a good report and things that are pure. Because when you do that, there's a promise that comes from God's word that the peace of God that, that surpasses understanding will guard your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus and 
The God of peace shall be with you. So not only are we blessed with having the peace that comes from God, but that God himself comes alongside of us. I remember, uh, I remember speaking to myself scripture to help me fall asleep. I, I remember quoting from Psalm chapter 3 where David said, I laid me down and slept for the Lord sustained me. I remember, I remember saying that he gives his beloved sleep and then falling off into asleep and saying things like, I will not fear. In time, I am afraid I will not fear. That it's a choice that we have. And that choice is to align ourselves up with the word of God and, and to trust that God is always good. What I want you to know is this, and you can follow along with me on the screen. This is worth tweeting. God always intervenes in a crisis, sometimes with a miracle, and sometimes it's the grace to go through, but we are never, ever alone. Sometimes God intervenes with a miracle. Sometimes God gives us grace to go through, but we are never, ever alone. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and of a sound mind. When one of my grandchildren was approaching their first year, not quite a year old, we, we noticed, the family noticed, that there was a ridge that was developing right above uh, his, uh, his, the nose of his bridge and, and up and across his skull. And, and, and it concerned us, and, and we had it checked out, and uh, it was pretty scary. The, the, the surgeon who examined him said, said you know what, uh, if, you know, you, you know the fontanelle that's on the top of a, of a baby's head is very soft because it takes a little more than a full year before the skull is fully is, is uh, uh, solid and comes together. And, and so we were concerned that it, that it wasn't coming together properly. And, and the kind of uh, method to correct the, the fusion of his skull was, was so terrifying. I, I got to tell you, you know, it's one thing for an adult to deal with the possibility of a surgery. But when you're talking about a one-year-old, I mean, that's really scary stuff. But we made a choice. Like David, we said, as a family, we said, we sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. We sought the Lord, and we put our trust in him and our confidence in him. And then it's that waiting period. While he, this, this grandchild of mine continued to develop and grow, and, 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 and he's perfect. And, and God rescued us, listen, not only from what could have been, but he rescued us from all of our fears. You know what? You'd be hard-pressed to find any major character in the Bible who did not battle against this issue of fear. And it happens. It, it, it comes up in our lives as well. But you know what? Because we have a relationship with God, we can say, because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, we can also say boldly, the Lord is my help. I will not be afraid. Whom shall I be afraid? Listen, I want to look at a verse of Scripture this morning, a portion of Psalm that I believe is God's vision and I believe is God's heart. It's his will for you and I as followers of Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, I am so glad that you're here. And just, I hope, my, my heart's desire is that you will see just how amazing a relationship with Christ can be. 
So we want to look at Psalm 112 this morning. First three words, praise the Lord, which is an expression of giving thanks to God. How, how we are to, to be constantly, continually, the psalmist said, his praise will continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Seven times in a day, the psalmist says, I will praise the Lord. I was telling somebody the other day that uh, just, just this memory came up. I was, uh, this happened many years ago, maybe about 20 years ago. I was cutting, cutting uh, my back lawn, and this kid come running out of the woods. My house backs Blydenburg Park, and so there's all woods be- be behind our property. So this kid comes running out, and he says, you got to help me, mister, mister, you got to help me. I said, what's going on? He said, my friend got hurt. And so I followed the young man, and we went back, and they had been riding uh, a, uh, a motorbike, and uh, he had crashed right into a tree. His leg was busted. I picked him up, right? This is a teenager. I picked him up, carried him out of the woods and into my car, took him to what was then St. John's Hospital, took him out of the car and into the emergency room, and I left him there. You know, I, I never got a thank you from that kid. His parents never came by or, you know, n- nobody ever said thank you for what you did. I guess I should be lucky I didn't get sued, you know? I mean, it was way back before cell phones or, or, or even just the idea of calling 911. I mean, I saw an emergency and I responded. Listen, God has responded to the emergency of, of our eternal existence. And he is deserving of all of our praise. It says, blessed, that is, to the point of being envied, is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commandments. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, you know the Bible promises that God will give to us the desires of a heart. Verse 2 says, His children will be mighty in the land. A generation of the upright will be blessed. Again, they'll be to the point of being envied. The upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their house, and his righteousness endures forever. And the reason why our righteousness can endure forever is because it's not ours, it's God's. It's his gift to us. And therefore, because of that, in our relationship through faith in Christ, not on the basis of works, but on the basis of grace, our righteousness can endure forever. So verse 6, and and this is where I just want to just zero in this morning. Says, surely he will not be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast. One translation says his heart is fixed. It's in a permanent position, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. That's God's vision. That's God's will for your life and my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. God wants our hearts to be fixed so that that bad news is not going to shake us up, that we'll be unshaken. We might be stirred, but we'll not be shaken. The righteous will never be moved. A few weeks ago, my PC, uh, my computer, uh, was infected with a virus. And uh, the company that infected my computer with the virus was trying to 
scam me and blackmail me into buying a program from them in order to get rid of the very virus that they put on my program or my, my computer. I said, I said, that's just like the devil. He'll, he'll tempt us to, to slavish fear and then he'll accuse us of, being, of sinning and being fearful. So, so what I did was I did what our heavenly father did, gave his only begotten son, the assignment, the mission to come and to ransom or rescue us from the curse. So I, I, I called up my firstborn, who's real smart about computers and stuff. And I said, I said, I got a virus on my computer. Could you handle that for me? And I gave it to him. And when he gave it back to me, it was clean and pure, just like God presents us to himself, clean and pure because of the son. You know, if we can, listen, the, the, the very first thing I did was I got me some new software, a new firewall, a new spyware protection. And you know what? While I was working on this message, I had a, I had a, a warning alert come up that there was a Trojan uh, kind of a whatever it is that was trying to get into my computer and it told me immediately, Restart your computer. Restarted my computer, and I'm protected. Listen, if, if, if we go to that kind of extent to protect our homes with alarms and protect, protect our family, protect the things that we love, protect the PC, for goodness sakes, should we not also protect and guard our hearts? For out of it are the issues of life. I don't know about you, but, but, but for me, I believe that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are the firewall of the believer's life. That when the enemy comes in to attack, it's the Lord who raises up a standard against the enemy. I had permission from uh, Lisa and Adam to uh, share their story with you this morning. First of all, congratulations are in order for, for publicly. want to be the first one to publicly say, Congratulations, baby number two is on the way, amen. So uh, they're pregnant. Actually, it's Lisa who's pregnant, and uh, she's with child, and Adam is just with Lisa who's with child. And so I, I, li- I love it. They sent me a, uh, an email yesterday and signed it, Adam, Lisa, uh, Sophia, and baby number two. So baby number two. Uh, when uh, Lisa was 11 weeks pregnant, uh, she went to the doctor for a checkup and she had a sonogram <clears throat> and everything seemed to be okay. But the next day she got a call from the doctor said, you need to come back right away because I, I need to talk to you. And so obviously, you know, what happened? So she, she, she comes back to the office and, and the doctor shows her on the sonogram and, and says, I believe that there is a genetic abnormality and, and pointed out the abnormality to her. Uh, you know, it's in moments like that when, when you hear like that kind of a news that I, I would imagine, I didn't, I didn't get this from Lisa at all, but I would imagine, I know, I know that it's happened to me. It's, it's in moments like that where your mind kind of goes into a fog and you don't really even know what the person's saying, you know, because your mind's going maybe a, a, a mile a minute, you know. But, but, but the, the, the thing I love about their story, the thing I love about 
Adam and Lisa's story is, is I, I see them as modeling Psalm 112. I, I, I see them as being steadfast. Their hearts were fixed, trusting in the Lord. Because I tell you what, if you looked at them, you wouldn't have known that they were, there was anything troubling them or they were going through anything that would have been alarming to them. You see, I, I found out when, when, when they were smiling and playing with Sophie, Sophia and, and, and laughing with friends at a wedding and, and into uh, Dave and Pamela's wedding, about several hours into the reception, I had a chance to speak with Lisa and she told me the good news that she's pregnant, but she also told me what was going on and what the doctor had suspected. And my first, resp- my, my first response was, Look, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of a series now on hope. I mean, I'm full of hope, you know? This was about maybe week three on this message on the power of hope. So I, I, I know my response was, our God is a God of hope, you know? We don't have to give in to this fear. We Listen, it's going to be all right. I don't know. Whatever is going to happen, it's going to be all right. And that really was their attitude as well. They were not shaken. And uh, I said, look, I said, this is Saturday, next day. So I, knew, I knew the message the Lord gave me, and I felt in my heart that message was just for you guys, you know. I'm sure it was for other people too, but, but I, I knew God had put that message in my heart for them. And I said, you know what, after I preach this message tomorrow, Sunday, I said, just, just come on up for prayer, and we're going to pray, and we're going to trust God, and we're going to believe God. Now, what I want you to know is this, that God always intervenes. Sometimes he does wonders. Sometimes he gives us grace to go through. I tell you what, I, I related, shared with them some of the experiences I've had as a pastor over the years in, in praying with couples who've got similar uh, diagnoses from doctors. And you know what? Sometimes doctors get it wrong. But sometimes God intervenes. And some kind, some, sometimes God does does his, his thing and wonders. I heard a story this week, maybe you have, of a 37-year-old man from Ohio who was taken to the hospital, who was actually pronounced dead for 45 minutes. His son and his pastor were praying, right? And, and the son yelled to his father, Dad, you're not going to die today. 45 minutes, he had no vital signs. And all of a sudden, there was a faint heartbeat. Anybody hear about this 37-year-old? Yeah, there's a few of you. And he's fine. They, they can't explain it. The doctors are baffled because sometimes God works wonders. And sometimes God gives us the grace to go through stuff. Well, that was Saturday, and, and then on Sunday we prayed, and, and we, we're just going to trust God. And then over the, over, over the next several weeks, the doctor had wanted to send them to a specialist in that field of medicine. And so two weeks, two weeks of praying, two weeks of waiting, two weeks of trusting, two weeks of believing God. I'm not saying that they didn't struggle. I'm not saying that they didn't battle against fear. They would be normal to battle against the fear of what might be. But when they went back to the doctor and the specialist, took more pictures and, and, and took, and took a, an examination and said, your baby doesn't have anything wrong with it. There's no abnormality. Your baby's just fine. Amen? 
Now, you could ask Adam and Lisa. It's their story. Was the doc, did the doctor get it wrong or did God do a wonder? So I'll leave it up to them. You can take questions after church, okay? I, 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 love, I love this vision that God has for us in Psalm 112, that you will not fear. You will have no fear. Fear will not oppress you and torment you. That's God's will for our life. I love what John Piper said. The presence of hope in the invincible, invincible sovereignty of God drives out fear. The presence of hope in the invincible sovereignty of God drives out fear. I love the teaching, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That tells me that God is in control of every raindrop that falls. He's in control. It tells me that the very dust particles that we can't see in this room right now, except maybe if a light was streaming through the window, God knows where every single dust particle is going to land. That's, our God. That's how great our God is. He's numbered the hairs on our head, and sometimes he's subtracted the hairs on our head as well because he loves us and because he cares for us. Listen, I'm, I'm, a man who was so close to the heart of God who literally laid his head on the chest of Jesus. This is what he wrote about the issue of fear. Listen to this. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves torment. But perfect love drives out fear. This is why you and I are encouraged by the word of God to keep ourselves in the love of God, to guard our hearts in the love of God. Because if you will keep yourself in the love of God, the love of God will keep you from falling, keep you from being oppressed, keep you from giving place to fear in your life. I heard this incredible story this week. Uh, a woman was stabbed 32 times by an ex-boyfriend, but she survived. But, but what caught my attention was this headline, woman stabbed 32 times by ex finds love in first responder who saved her. I, I, I had a look at that twice. She was stabbed 32 times, I get that, but she finds love from the first responder who saved her. The first responder was a firefighter slash paramedic who came on the scene and was credited for saving her life, did some extraordinary things to save her life, but he has become the love of her life. Together, they went into the courtroom, I think it was just this past week, where her ex pleaded guilty to attempted murder. She said, I quote, she says, I'll never forget the look in his eyes. It was pure evil. But she found something out of that horrible situation. She found the love of her life. I mean, can't you see the parallel that we have? We have a first responder who has come to seek and to save the lost, who has come to rescue us from the powers of darkness, and in the very same process, we have fallen in love with him because he first loved us. What a tremendous story. You know, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, 
He also wrote this. He says, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eyes upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. What I want you to walk away with this morning is the simple knowledge that perfect love of Christ drives out fear. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live a life that is tormented in anxiety, sleeplessness, because the love of your life has come to rescue you. So let's just kind of recap this message this morning. Freedom is our inheritance in Christ. God's will and vision for us is found in Psalm 112. Read it again later today. His word and his spirit are of vital importance for our walk of freedom, for this walk of faith and not sight. And sometimes God works wonders and sometimes God gives us the grace to go through, but we're never, ever alone. His love never fails. And because of that, we don't ever have to be afraid. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for uh, the introduction to this message on the price of freedom. And we want to just thank you today for the incredible gift of eternal life that is in the Son. All of these blessings that we have And we've been blessed with so many spiritual blessings, freedom being one of them that we value so much. For whom the Son is made free is free indeed, truly free. And so as a result, Lord God, this morning of having heard the the word of God, I pray today, Lord God, that if there are any chains that are attempting to ensnare or to oppress anyone in this room this morning, that you would break that by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That you would just bless this word to our understanding, that we would rise up and we would say like David, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. He rescued me from all my fears. I will not be afraid. That is what we set the course of our hearts, that our hearts are fixed as we're trusting in you. I'm going to invite you to stand with us one more time this morning as we, as we close in a song. Thanks, guys.